0: everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports and opinions with a bit of snark built, and we are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can provide more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and I. You can connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicpod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am. Every week, and I'm joined by a man who's a statistical mad hatter, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Gerald. Um, I myself wear a mean hat. You know that about me. I was, you know, Texas cowboy. Uh, but my uh, my wife has recently discovered that when she puts a hat on, it's kind of like Frosty the Snowman. There's something that comes alive in her, and she becomes a whole nother character. So uh, if you are listening to this, uh, keep wearing the hat. It works. My dear.
0: I didn't get to meet Hat Drew, but I saw Hat Drew's hat. It's a pretty impressive hat.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's a pretty impressive hat. I will say this. I've said on this podcast many times my wife is a proud, uh, proudish um, Baylor uh, bear, and uh, she, she supports the Longhorns dearly for me. So when she was trying on hats at Goran Bros in New Orleans um, and uh, stumbled upon this, uh, I'll say a nice uh, deep orange will use to, to make her feel good. Some might call it burnt, uh, hat and, and said she loved it. Um, I was, uh, taken aback and she really rocks the heck out of it. I'll give her that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it is, it is all of her subtle, deep, uh, you know, subconscious longhorn fandom in, in hat form. It's beautiful.
0: Now going into the year of 2019, if you think back, burnt orange was one of the colors of 2019 and it's made a big big statement especially in the fall and winter months a lot of burnt orange sweaters happening among your basic ladies uh which i love basic fashion because i'm a basic guy you give me a hoodie and a po and a uh And a beanie, and I'm like, I'm loving life. That's like basic guy, like fall stuff. So we're going to take a look back. Uh, We're going to use some of the the Thursday show uh, real estate to talk a little bit about the year in review because we want to be able to give it some room to breathe. And since we have two podcasts a week, Kyle, we might as well do it. So we're going to break it up into chunks so we're going to look at the kind of the passing game today quarterbacks and wide receivers uh next time we we do one of these we'll do the running backs and then we'll jump to the defense uh kind of the ground game front seven ish and then the uh, passing game so the back five six seven ish depending on the defensive alignment But we got to start with the bowl game because there's texas did did some work in the bowl game um Thirty-eight points was tied for the seventh most scored by Texas in a bowl history. Their third straight bowl win, which is the most—the first time they've won three in a row since the 4 to 08 run with Vincent Colt. Just a lot of good stuff, Kyle. Of all the the stats we're able to drum up from the bowl game, and what jumps out to you as kind of the big one as far as the team accomplishment goes? We'll look at some individual ones here in just a minute.
1: Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, w- winning, winning three. We talked about it a little bit for that that senior class, they missed the first one, which is a tough uh, blow, and then they went to three consecutive bowls under Tom Herman and won three. I mean, that in itself um, from a macro perspective is amazing. Um, that, That shouldn't be um, that crazy of a deal to to have players you know be able to finish out their career with three straight wins. Yeah, not every team can can do that. Obviously, it's winning a bowl is still a big deal. It doesn't matter what bowl it is, and I don't think the Alamo Bowl by any means is a small uh, bowl. But but winning uh, winning whatever bowl game it is, whether it's you know the Sugar, one of the elites, Alamo, which is you know still a fantastic one of the, the the biggest, or even the Texas Bowl, right? If if at the sum of your season you you have been measured and you have been weighed and you have have uh been been put against an opponent who's who's your equal or you know, i think texas has been underdog in at least two of those um i guess all three actually texas was an underdog in all three i think so um you know it, it means something when, when they say "Ah, oh, yeah yeah this is your equal and then you go out and win it i think it, it's it's it sends a statement texas uh kind of carried the big 12 in the bowl season as the the only real big 12 lion uh in in post play
0: yeah, and I mean of the all of the Big Twelve teams, I believe Texas is the only one to win a game, if I uh, recall correctly. And to quote the landlord, Texas beat the mess out of them like <laughs> that. That is impressive, and and the fact that Texas was what a full touchdown underdog, where people were so confident they bet hundred k on Texas, like that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, Jameson's punt return we talked a lot about um punting Kyle you have a stat for this but I want to cue it up so Deshaun Jameson, who we think is going to be uh, a shark and a dog and all of those things for Texas have the longest punt return in Texas's bowl history which is pretty impressive
1: it was beautiful it, it was one of the if not the play that they kind of changed the tide uh of that game and led to a a, a route right but uh The game, you know, the the play itself in the season context obviously had the longest of the season, Gerald. (laughs) What percentage do you think that that return, and I'll give you a little hint, it was a 71-yard punt return that Jamison had in that game. What percentage do you think the 71 yards from that return composed of the entire year's punt return hole?
0: Well, at one point, Texas was, I think, the only school with negative punt return yardage, uh, so I'm gonna go big in say seventy <sighs> percent.
1: Okay, I I like where your head's at. I do. Um, I I I we are we are not greater than fifty. I'll tell you that it is the big Malik Jefferson of percentages. It is forty 46- six. Percent of of the of the season haul. Had it not been for that return, UT would have had far more interception return yards than punt return yards. Um, It 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 literally just about doubled uh, the the season's output. So um, good on you, Jameson. Thank goodness uh, you couldn't save, unfortunately, Coach Wareheim uh, his his job as the special teams coordinator there um, because we we had trouble specifically in that part of the game in the fielding returning of both punts and kicks. I believe earlier in the game we also had Jamison himself um, muffed a uh, a punt, fair fair catch. Um, so it, it continued, but um, the good thing when you think about we we lamented this unit all season was on the other end. Jill, they only allowed thirty yards the entire season on punts. That's uh, that's a good job from the the uh, fighting Bucevskis and uh, Nager. You have to give him a little shout out there as well when when there was an injury and he stepped up.
0: I mean, as a as a Punting and kicking podcast. We have to to shout that out. But but let's let's t- Kyle let's step back and let's you mentioned the whole season there. And so let's just let's look back at the whole season as it relates to uh, the passing game. So there is again on on Monday we heard Sam Ellinger announce that he would be back for his senior year, one last ride. Um, there are OU fans in our mention saying that they're glad he's coming back. Which side note. You shouldn't be glad that he's back because he almost single-handedly beat OU this year and or single-handedly beat the mess out of OU last year. So, so Sam finished the season with 3,663 passing yards, 176 short of Colt McCoy's 2008 Record, which we thought was nearly untouchable at a lot of ways. uh, 4,326 total offensive yards, just 24 yards shy of Colts' 2008 season. So with all that, we can can look at about a thousand different ways to slice how impressive Sam's year was. But of all the numbers that Sam put up, what impressed you the most about his performance in 2019?
1: Well, I mean, you think about how many – Games And we've talked about on this podcast, the, the level, the bar that he raised it to the expectation when we say, yeah, he had a good season, but he wasn't consistent all the way through. He had a little bit of a lull for a couple of games. He was down. Um, the thing that I like is how many games he he put points On the board, he had seven games with three touchdowns. Um, So again, when you talk about a 13-game season, you say, ah, he he didn't do it for every game. He couldn't. Uh, For more than half the games, he put up three touchdowns. And for perspective, no Texas quarterback has ever had more than five. Remember, there have been some good ones and ones who pretty immediately in Colton Vince preceded him. No Texas quarterback has ever had more than five games with three touchdowns in a season. So I think just the the, the fact, you know, you can look at the pure bulk numbers um, in the in the yards, touchdowns and everything like that. But I think just the fact that that even when we look back at this year and we all looked at it with a "Ah, wish Sam could have been just a little bit better. just getting a little bit more here. Those were with that least three touchdowns multiple of those seven with with uh three touchdown games he had four or or five touchdowns so i mean it's uh it was a great season and a great season that left you wanting more which says a lot for the kid
0: people still for some reason think of him as this run first guy and this tim tebow guy but like he is the one of two quarterbacks in texas history with 3500 yards and 30 passing touchdowns in a season and guess what the other one's colt mccoy who did pretty okay for himself? Uh, threw for more than two hundred yards in all thirteen games this season. That's a school record. Um, he is uh, second for all time behind Major Applewhite. Like just the the fact that Sam has more touchdowns in a two year stretch by any Texas quarterback is just nuts. And and. We could gush a lot about Sam Ellinger, but like I still don't get why the national conversation around him is not this guy's an elite quarterback, right? Like people know him; he's a t- he's a tough playmaker, and he's the the engine that makes the Texas offense go. But like, he is a legitimate like passing threat. Like he is a legitimate guy that can that could stand back there and make plays with his arm.
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, you you just talk about. Uh, an elite quarterback and all the, you know, the things he's done in, uh, in 26 games basically putting up 80 touchdowns that's an incredible incredible return obviously a good chunk of those came through the air there's no doubt that last year he the offense needed him to be the guy who punctuated drives and finished. but when you look at that same stretch over over two years um even though um he got hurt he only played two more games and than, than Tua uh who's kind of the gold standard um he actually had uh 76 in that same time frame so Sam had more touchdowns than, than Tua Taglavoa who again is, is by any measure an elite quarterback um, but you know so I mean I don't understand why there's there's a uh, a huge gap in the discussion of well Joe Burrow can do this Tua can do this Justin Fields can do this oh and Sam Ellinger knows how to you know get the ball across the end zone, right? It's, it's an interesting uh, phrasing. I, I don't know if it, um, the national media just doesn't believe in, uh, you know, uh, superior exteriors the the uh the 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 derriere back there the uh the 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 thick princes as I do I you know I like I said I judge my horses and my quarterbacks by how uh how rotund they are I see you trying to hold it together Gerald good thing this is not a video podcast but maybe the national media they like skinny boy quarterbacks they're not they're not down for the thick boys so I'm going to start the petition right here respect Thick boy quarterbacks.
0: Are you saying your podcast hosts don't want none unless it got buns, hun? Is that what you're (laughs) telling me right now?
1: (laughs) That's exactly right. No, so,
0: and he punctuated an incredible season by becoming just the fourth player in school history to earn multiple bowl MVP honors. Like, that's a big deal. The Alamo Bowl named him as their outstanding offensive player, which is just incredible. And Kyle, here's your trivia for the day. Could you name the
1: other three? I feel like it's too easy if this is just like your 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 you know. I feel like one of those is is Cole.
0: Okay. I,
1: I think that's true. Um, I'm I'm gonna go Vince because come on, the third one I feel Who's like the is third too, one. I feel like it's too easy to say Ricky. Like I'm trying to think. You know, you go back. Couldn't play more than three years on varsity back in the day. So maybe that rules out your Bobby Lanes and some of those cats. Uh, I'm going to go Earl. So you, you said it.
0: It was Bobby Lane.
1: Oh no way. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Bobby Bobby Lane won two of his three <laughs> varsity uh bowl MVP or outstanding players. But
1: And the other two were Vincent Colt. Vincent right? Colt. Yeah, okay. those are the okay. easy
0: ones. Now Colt yeah. Colt is the leader in the clubhouse with three. He's the only player with three uh bowl game MVP honors, which Sam could very likely put his name among them uh next year if Texas makes a bowl and wins it.
1: Hot take if he doesn't get hurt, it's four.
0: It's fair very very fair that is whoo that ain't no hot take Kyle that's the really real but the fact that after just two full years as a starting quarterback Sam Ellinger's name, is up there with Vince Colt, Bobby Lane, Major Applewhite, like the greatest, Chris Simms, some of the greatest quarterbacks in school history, like you cannot overstate how good this guy is and and it it's obviously incredible individual talent, but he's also had some incredible, incredible players to throw to, and this year kind of the guy that the the guy that was really the straw that stirred the drink in the passing game in a lot of ways was Devin DuVernay with uh, 106 receptions, 1,386 yards, in 8 touchdowns, a whopping 12.3 yards per Catch. He joins Jordan Shipley as the only other receiver in school history with more than 1,300 yards. So, like, Duve at the beginning of the season, like, we saw a little bit of him last year. Uh, he was an outside guy. He moved inside uh, partially due to the need there and then partially due to Eagles becoming kind of a legitimate threat out there. And so, Duve stepped up, and And I've said it before, and I've said it again, and I'm going to eat this crow for as long as I have to. Like, I thought it was all coach speak about Duve being the right guy in there because uh, he's just never really shown, like, the slot skill set. And then he has one of the best seasons in school history. And shows everybody that he's a legitimate NFL prospect.
1: I mean, Jordan Shipley had one of the best just receiving seasons I've ever seen. But like, you take that out, and this is the this is the best season besides that ever. I mean, and there've been some all time great receivers who've come through here with you know you you think of of the the Roy Williams and and um, we we actually did I think. Yeah, man, that could have been over a year ago now where we ranked the, uh, the, 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 under, oh, I guess we did the under Mac Brown wide receivers. I remember talking through some of those names and so there's just talent all the way through and through. But, but Devin Duvernay is, is a name that, you know, if you're, if you're younger, uh, listeners, the kids you in school, you don't realize you're going to be talking about that for the next 30 years. So the older fans, we know it as we understand, um, some context. But I mean, that this, this season that he had is one that they are going to talk about, Uh, for ages I mean it was very good And, and and we spent in this in this very podcast and in our season preview talking about you know if he can make that step up and be a you know an elite number two guy after Colin Johnson then you know that makes the Texas offense just one of the most dangerous in the country and then you look at Colin Johnson you know having trouble with injury and everything falls on Devin DuVernay everyone in the country knew every third down Where Sam Alinger was looking. Everyone in the country knew when he needed a a, a big play, his first look was in the slot to Duvernay. Everyone in the country knew on a deep threat, you know, if it's over the middle, it's it's Devin DuVernay's spot. And he couldn't stop it. He had incredible hands, he broke tackles, he, you know, was faster than any defender who thought he could size him up. He just all in all played himself into Sundays, played himself into a contract. And and I think, you know, you, you talk about a single season. Uh, making a career he had a he had an okay career kind of you know fine contributed before this year but this year etched his his name into the hearts of Longhorn fans forever he will he will be one of those names who gets remembered he'll be a guy who gets called back uh 10 years from now to hold up some you know jersey or plaque or or whatever it is commemorating um uh you know just just a great career and and and, uh and season and and, you know once he retires from the NFL whenever that is so I, I I'm really excited for the guy um What a year it was.
0: It's crazy to think that um, this slot position, at least for the last three years, has been a bit of a kingmaker. And you saw three years ago, Reggie Hempel Maps, who, you know, that guy kind of went weird, transferred, fell off the face of the earth. Uh, Then you saw Lil Jordan Humphrey, who. Again, at the start of the twenty eighteen season, we're like, "Who's going to replace Reggie? Like, what's going to happen?" And then L. J. Humphrey had had him a year, parlayed that into a uh, an NFL. Uh, he was a he was a uh, uh, he was picked up by the Saints and is not currently on. Well, not currently because well they got beat, but would technically be on that team if they hadn't lost. And then now Devin Duvernay, the the stock of these guys continues because like Reggie Hempel Maps was an underclassman. If he stuck around, probably could have been really special. Um, that may be the first the first smoke of the weirdness with uh, Drew Maringer, but that's a whole nother conversation uh, going on there. But then again, little Jordan. And now Duvernay looks like he's a legitimate like draft pick, like first three, like first three rounds kind of draft pick guy in a, in a, what could be a really loaded wide receiver class.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it isn't going to be depleted. I mean, we, we can talk uh, about the talent mm-hmm. underneath, but obviously we have two seniors leaving, but the, 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 The interesting thing, and we can give our predictions as we get a little closer and we do a little more breakdown, but as I was going through and looking at the receiving stats, is there was a clear one and two in Johnson and Duvernay, I almost think it isn't a one for one next year. Eagles is the guy who gets all the targets, but I I almost think it opens up the offense and makes it a little bit more dangerous and explosive potentially um, and dynamic when you have you know, four uh, options who could be the option, right? Like this year was so special because they knew they want Sam wanted to get it to Devin, uh, on, on third downs. But, you know, if, if you truly have your Whittington's your, you know, Eagles, Smith, et cetera, we'll talk about each of these guys. Um, I, I think it makes a really, really interesting dynamic, uh, for, 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 next year. But again, I think you can't talk about this season without talking about what Devin Duvernay did what he could have done if Colin Johnson had stayed healthy. Um, But, you know, what what Colin Johnson came in and did, right? Because it's not that he was taking catches away from from Devin DuVernay's otherwise historic season um, it, or when he wasn't there they they offered the opportunity up for him to get more but it was that hey Colin Johnson commands a double team when he's in there there's even more opportunities for DuVernay to get involved if Colin Johnson's on the field I think that's the thing that sometimes if you just look at a box score can be lost so um, I, I, I think you talk about two great Texas receivers Colin Johnson did it a little bit had a little bit you know, more consist- I don't know consistency is the right word, but did it over a longer course, right? He kind of spread his out a bit more while DuVernay uh, got the big bang.
0: One of the things that is a testament to Colin Johnson's contribution and whatever people are going to talk about us on Twitter, he can't win 50-50 balls, whatever, Sam Ellinger's worst games this year were with Colin Johnson not playing. Mm-hmm. And his better games are with Colin Johnson playing. And a lot of that has to do with the way defensive defenses align Colin Johnson. He may struggle winning 50-50 balls, but he beats one-on-one coverage and he puts his right hand up and you go down the sideline. So it changes the way the teams can scheme. And he was hurt a lot this year, and that's going to be a big knock on him going into the senior bowl. It's going to be a big knock on him going into the, the combine. But he's also a guy who is a workout freak and will probably put up big numbers. And so he may not see an early-round pick, but he could be a guy that a team takes a, a chance on him and he is a big play threat and maybe he has a little bit of a career for him, but uh, you know, his, he finishes his career um, with the third longest streak of receptions in school history. One of just five Longhorns with 40 games with multiple receptions passes Quan Cosby for the fifth most receiving yards all time. Like, 15 career touchdowns puts him right outside of the top 10 of uh, touchdown reception. So like he had a little bit of a career, even though mm. it may not have lived up to the full billing, but it's, it's like you, the only reason you can look back on this as a disappointing career is because if he had stayed healthy his last two years, the, the, the ceiling is pretty high.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, I think what you got is, is, is not quite the floor, you know, when he was a recruit and came in, um, but you got, you know, it flashes of the ceiling and never got to realize it so somewhere in the middle there of he was definitely productive he definitely helped win games um, but but certainly I'm sure if you asked him even he would say he wished he could have played more stayed healthy more done more um, and been higher up each of those lists you just ranked but ultimately a fantastic career coming to an end um, and it was a joy to watch him anytime that he was healthy and he was out there my eyes gravitated to him I you know, watch receivers by by nature so um, just love to watch what he does fantastic footwork um, one of the best come back route receivers i've seen ever at texas um you know just in general but uh you know does a lot of things really well that i think will translate I and mean, we'll, we'll probably talk in a draft preview after senior bowl and some of the uh, the combine stuff about you know where he might land later but you know just looking at his career and focusing on that part of it um you know exactly what could have been but even with that caveat a good really really good longhorn career
0: so quickly, we're gonna do. A, we'll do more of a future-looking kind of the roster matrix later. But we have to talk about the young pups. Uh, Brendan Eagles and Jake Smith are probably the two biggest names of those young guys coming in. Eagles third on the team in receptions, 32 receptions, 522 yards, including a team high 16.31 yards per carry. Now you'll be like, but Gerald, there's a guy with more. That dude only had one reception, so it doesn't really count, and he had six <laughs> touchdowns on the year he had uh, before the bowl game, before the Tech game. Uh, the longest play from scrimmage since 2014. And then Devin DuVernay won, uh, beat him by two yards. Thanks, Doof. Um And by the fifth game of the season, Brendan Eagles had more 50 yard plays than Texas had all in all of 2018. Uh, Jake Smith, Great season from him, 25 receptions, 274 yards, six touchdowns. I say great year, but true freshman. Most of his damage happened in, like, the first four to five games of the year, even though he appeared in all 13. He had a huge day against Rice, six receptions, 75 yards. Uh, And then at one point, this is the crazy stat, had 13 catches and four touchdowns. So, like, the future is bright in that wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think those are the two guys that that, – stand out to, to make the step up. Um, I think, you know, Eagles had a huge game against LSU. He's, he's a guy who, um, you know, can can do it in the big time games. He, he had with Colin Johnson out a really probably the catch of the season with his touchdown catch against Iowa State where he was kind of going out of bounds, jumped and came down to get his one foot in and get the touchdown. Um, but, you know, had the 55-yard touchdown um, a, against LSU, five catches for 116 in that one. I mean, doing it against the biggest Opponent, you know, says a great deal about him ready to, you know, step up and, and, and that kind of certainly bodes well for the future. I think Jake Smith, um, maybe it was just like, they got a little tape on him towards the end of the season, understood what he could do. Um, or just, you know, situationally couldn't, couldn't, uh, break through, um, and make that next set. But I think next year they're expecting him, uh, to be even better and to kind of channel that energy from the first few games of the season into a, a full season, uh, run, you know, the, the six catch 75 yard game in week two, um, or, uh, no, in the rice game had, uh, had a pretty, had a pretty, um, you know set a pretty big standard you're not going to do that every week as a true freshman but the other thing i want to point out is the running backs in the past game this year 56 catches 424 yards and four touchdowns i hope and expect for that number to improve even greater next year Keontae had 29 catches roshan had 23 four touchdowns between them i think um you have a chance for that number to go up significantly when you talk about if Jordan Whittington is classified as a running back next year. Uh, again, we've we've posited that you know, we're not sure exactly what he'll do in the new offensive coordinator scheme, but he could have anything from a uh, you know Percy Harvin to a uh, to a Ramon's Taylor type impact um, for the for the Longhorns. So, I mean, it, it, if if you get to do that, I think that's a really exciting um, weapon out of the backfield. And then you know you look at the tight ends this year. And Cade Brewer had a good season. He only played nine games. He had eleven catches, uh, averaged fourteen yards a catch, and a touchdown. But if we're running the personnel where we're always having you know three receivers in a tight end, I expect. A little more than just barely cracking the double digits and that's what we talked about um you know the, the type of protection with jared wiley is able to make the next step up as he understands the position a little bit as, as brandon Le- brayden uh, is is able to hopefully realize some of that potential then I, I hope to see that those two as areas that step up where you have running backs contributing a little bit more uh, tight ends getting a little bit more involved. When you don't have Duvernay on third downs, maybe it's your tight end in the slot who's who's sure-handed. We saw that with Beck a little bit last year. So um, I am I am intrigued. But when you look at the stats and you take that holistic view and you look at what was on this year and what that projects to i think it, i think it, uh, it it bodes to a very interesting season next year and what is uh you know expected to be one of the better passing units in the conference if not the country
0: yeah and i think your coming in will uh play a big part in that uh we will be back in i guess probably next week and give you a look at the running backs but this is what we're gonna do we just want to unpack kind of what texas did statistically and kind of how what it says about the season
1: all right, so that now brings us to our favorite part of the week, where we take a look the entire landscape of college football through the burnt orange tinged lenses. Um, this week, Gerald is 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 not. Uh, the most as we come out of the the doldrums of kind of the cold holidays but there is NFL playoffs is the big one um, and this uh, this playoffs has been chock full of Longhorns it hasn't unfortunately gone uh, all of their way obviously but uh, nonetheless there's been good Longhorn representation um, the best chance to, uh, to to give the Longhorn fans something to cheer about if you're a true, uh, a true burnt orange NFL neutral if you just watch your football on Saturdays um, Kyle Shanahan and Markie good ones 49ers look real good look maybe like the favorite uh or one of the favorites to to make it to the super bowl uh so far and uh, they had a comfortable 27 to 10 win over chris boyd holton hill in the fight and, uh fighting i don't know we, we need a nickname because they're kind of turning into another uh burnt orange factory up there but uh, the vikings nonetheless uh fall to the 49ers in sadder personal news, as a Ravens fan, did go to the Houston Ravens bar to watch this one. Uh, the, uh, the chock full of Longhorn Baltimore Ravens fell to the Tennessee Titans 28-12 in their worst game of the season. I think everyone, every neutral is a fan of Lamar Jackson, so it was tough to watch him uh, kind of get shut down and struggle a bit. But at the, the very least, again, to give uh, a bit of Longhorn flavor, Kenny Vaccaro did get one of the interceptions against Lamar. So uh so Longhorns representing Vicaro on to the next round. I believe the only player on the Titans. Um the best best play of the of the game and the most apropos for this podcast was our boy Earl Thomas getting like his I think like third career sack um and first I think in the playoffs uh against Ryan Tannehill. Um so you know anytime you can take it back to the college football of a Longhorn destroying an Aggie. Always good.
0: Yeah, it wasn't all good for Earl, though. Um, Derrick Henry turned him into a lead blocker. He stiff armed him so hard; it was actually pretty, uh, pretty tough to watch. But you know what? De- Derrick Henry does that to everybody. He do- he does that to literally anybody and everybody. That's like that's two men stacked on top of each other playing football.
1: It's 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 uh, two two tickets to the movie theater in in a big trench coat. Uh, it makes sense. I there are very few things that, that Derrick Henry couldn't come up and demand that I hand to him that I would I would not just hand to him. He's a bad looking man. Um, so no 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 offense to to Earl there. Justin Tucker was two for two. Did not have any extra point attempts to tell you how this game went for them. Um, also uh, for for Longhorns uh, going home early. Chuck Amena, who uh, exits in the second round. The Texas can't hold over. Uh, they got an early lead but fell to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Alex Okafor's Kansas City Chiefs falling. 51 to 31 the Packers uh also unfortunately uh ending the the two kind of we were hoping for a Ravens Seahawks uh playoff meeting for for UT fandom but uh ended the other Longhorn Factory 28 Aaron Rodgers sent Puna Mike Dixon Quandre and swoops back to the Pacific Northwest
0: yeah the uh Longhorns didn't fare too well in the playoffs currently, and you mentioned the the, the Texans can't hold the lead. Uh, that they they couldn't just not hold the lead. They in Madden the Chiefs would have had to give up the sticks and the Texans surrendered a give up the sticks in return which is just real real bad to watch.
1: Yeah, unfortunately halves don't cancel each other out and you get to play a a, a sum of your parts uh, they they just lose on the final score in total. But also um we had a couple a little bit of bowl news. Um obviously the uh, the Bulls have have wrapped up uh here um but the uh the looking back we did uh, we didn't shout out Gerald you want to you want to give us a special uh shout out for good friend of the pod uh
0: yeah Louisiana coming up with a bowl win so shout out Joe Hamilton uh we're glad that you are doing big things with the uh the raisin Cajuns.
1: that's right and just that all goes to tell you when you do an appearance on this podcast you will eventually coaching um and and uh convert that into a bowl championship or victory i guess the next uh the next year has
0: coach Zychek won his uh, state championship yet
1: Ooh, he so multi-time state championship winner as a player and coach nick Zychek. i do not think has won since appearing on the podcast but uh maybe we need to give him that bump
0: it's coming we'll get him back on yeah
1: i like that um In final Bowl news, in in looking back, the AP uh, released their all-Bowl team across all Bowls, and there was some Longhorn representation after, obviously, a very, very good performance. One from the offense, one from the defense, and both young guys who will be back next year uh, tackle Sam Cosme and Joe Osai, uh, who looked just like a revelation in that game and should make you very, very excited for what he could be next year. Just just a, a monster attack in the Big 12. So uh, well-deserved and uh, well-heard here.
0: Absolutely. And again, I'm glad Cosby's back and, and Joe Osai couldn't go anywhere. So glad he's coming back as well. But that's all we've got for you
1: this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at... Kyle Carpenter, you can follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pre You can follow
0: me on Twitter. I am at GHGoders. Follow the show on Twitter at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. until
1: next time, hook them. Hook them. Love you, Hat